most athletes don't really know their why. But they are getting closer because at least coaches are asking them now. But their answers are almost always because I love the game. So that can't always be true, right? They don't always play because they love it. Think of the best athletes, the ones you've coached or watched or seen on TV. Do you think they don't have days when they absolutely hate the sport? Uh, Yeah, we all have. (laughs) Of course we've been there. So what drives them on those days? Because we all know it takes getting through that kind of day to get to the big dreams you want to achieve. That's why we've created the brand new resource for you, the Love of the Game Formula. This three-part actionable mini course will help you discover what truly drives each unique player that you coach, even through the hard times. To learn more, head to mentalsweetspot.com slash love the game. Now let's get to the show. Get your head in the game, coach. You're about to get your audio dose of softball inspiration. I'm Melanie Rushing. And I'm Alicia Smith. And we help softball teams win more games and have more fun. Right now, you're joining thousands of passionate coaches across the nation who are dragging the field, prepping for the day, or driving to that other job while they learn and grow as a coach. So if you're ready to learn how to build a strong team culture, get your players to believe, and make a real difference in their lives, you're in the right place. This is the Mental Sweet Spot Podcast. Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Another exciting topic today. Super glad that I have Alicia here to tell some of her stories because uh, this is what it's all about. And she's honestly a better storyteller. (laughs) So today we're going to talk about the love of the game, Uh, what it means to the players, what it means to us, what happens when it starts to fade, which we all hate, but also what happens when we get it back. Because even in those times where you feel like, forget this, (laughs) Why am I doing this? This is stupid. I suck. In those moments where your motivation is at its all-time low, there are definitely ways back. So let's talk about what it looks like in real life. So Alicia, thrown over to you. We talked a little bit about this before. Can you please share the story of one of your players who experienced almost on the verge of quitting um, that, that low of motivation and what it looked like when she finally got to turn it around? Yeah, this, this story is uh, very close to my heart and this kid's very special to me. Um, but she, she came in as a freshman and took over the starting position for, for pitching and was pitching over a senior. So, I mean, that was really, I think, tough on her at first. Um, but I think the, the support that she had from the team was very helpful and she was, she was talented, obviously. And, um, for the for her freshman year, she, she just battled and battled and battled, you know, and, um, we, we had some ups and downs and she got, she got the crap kicked out of her in some games. And I think I'll never forget the game. We were at the uh, local school here and uh, they were really good, but we thought we were too. And we got 15 run. And I was pretty sure I've never been 15 run in my career. It was that ugly. And, uh, we, it was a double header though. So we turned around and, um, within the first two innings, we were already down eight zero. Like it was unbelievable. I don't think I can, I mean, this kid, I felt really bad, you know, for her, but, uh, she wasn't pitching that she wasn't pitching in the eight when we were up uh, or down eight zero, but, uh, she came back in, uh, and we somehow that game turned things around and she really battled. So I really started to see like her grit and determination, even as a freshman, um, and we slowly got better and slowly got better and somehow ended up in the state semifinals that year. So um, she really put the team on, on her back and really carried them. 
Um, and after losing the semifinals that year, she was really determined, right, to, to help the team get back there again. So she comes back her sophomore year and was just on fire. Like her, her um, everything was, I mean, she was a little bit faster, a little bit stronger. Um, I also didn't let her hit um, or play the second half of the, of the double header. Usually I would usually kind of rest her because that was as a freshman coming in, I didn't want to burn her out. And it's always been my philosophy to be prepared for uh, postseason, which means your, your pitchers are as, um, as fresh as they absolutely can be. And that was pretty critical um, to, to having her being, to being fresh. So she didn't play as much, I think, as she wanted to. And, and, um, but that was okay. We, we had that conversation. So she had to learn that that was kind of waiting for her turn. So sophomore year, she started playing a little bit more in the field when she wasn't pitching. She was hitting. Um, I was letting her run more. She's one of my you know, best athletes I've ever had. She was fast. Um, so there was kind of that transition for her where she had to kind of figure out her role on the team. Um, and we got to the state semifinals again, and that's the famous rain game that we've talked about several times on this, uh, podcast where, um, you just, you couldn't believe what was happening, right? Like it's pouring rain and, and she's out there. Uh, she's, she's a little bit on the shorter side, so she has smaller hands and she needs every little square inch to be able to grip that ball. And, um, it was very frustrating. And I think after that game and after we lost again in the semifinals, I think it wasn't that we lost the semifinals. It was the fact that we had lost under those circumstances. Um, you fast forward to junior year. And uh, during the before spring break, she pitched awesome in a scrimmage. Um, again, was just yet another step stronger, you know, or faster, another a uh, little bit stronger. And then spring break happens. And <clears throat> after spring break, uh, something wasn't the same. I, had, I couldn't put my finger on it. I didn't know um, what was going on, um, but she was really struggling with a lot of things. And it, it's hard as a coach to watch when you know there, it's, it has nothing to do with softball, nothing to do with softball. So um, we started uh, just kind of talking after practice a little bit or during practice and she actually lives right on the corner for me. So one day I just, I literally walked over to her house and knocked on her door and asked her mom if she could come out and we could go for a walk in the neighborhood. And that's what we did. Um, we did it two or three times and just walked up and down the neighborhood and just, just talked, just talked about things. And I shared some of my, uh, my fears as a coach and, you know, some of the things I've been through as an individual. And she started opening up a little bit too. Um, and a lot of coaches can relate to this. There's an enormous amount of pressure on kids, right. Um, in all sorts of areas of life, right? Uh, especially softball players trying to get a scholarship. And this is what it was for her. There was a lot of that going on. Um, and in fact, uh, I've shared with this with you, I'm reading this book called Overachievers. And it's, um, it's slightly outdated because it's early 2000s, which sounds really weird. Um, because some of the things they talk about in there talks about you know, the IMing, there's a lot, I think they're on AOL and things like that. It's funny, but a lot of the point is, is that there's a lot of stresses these particular kids are under when it comes to um, athletic scholarships, their SAT scores, um, trying to get into elite colleges. This is the particular uh, theme of this book. So there's a lot of themes that I've been hearing in that particular book that I have seen in a lot of my kids, but just on different on different levels for different reasons, right? So I was, I'm just really reminded of all the stress and pressure that these kids are under all the time. Um, but in this situation, it had a lot to do with trying to get this college scholarship. And in that, I think a lot of kids lose their identity, right? And 
because they're only viewed as a softball pitcher, right? They're not viewed as a daughter or a sister um, or a girlfriend or a teammate or any of the roles that they may particular, particularly have at, at that time in their life, right? Um, and I think that I, I did know she was dating someone at the time. Um, and I knew that sometimes things weren't necessarily going that great between them. And I know that that affects girls, you know, I've had that over and over and over and over and it's, and I hate to see it. I hate to see it when, um, when they're battling relationship problems too, because again, a part of life, but you know, it affects them. And, and I have a heart for these kids. And I just, I felt so bad because I, I always want to be able to fix it, you know, and you always want to be able to say the right thing and everything just turn around magically. And it doesn't really work that way, but I, I really just listened to her and I told her, um, that I was always here for her to support her and that I was just genuinely concerned about her because I could tell she just wasn't the same. So through the season, you know, it's, it's short, but yet it seems long sometimes. And a couple weeks later, um, we were at practice and, uh, she was in the batting cage and with a teammate and she said, coach, can you please come here? I said, sure. So I come over and she the water waterfalls, just a water gate just opened and she just started bawling. So I asked her teammate to just go onto the field and um, the other coaches took over the defensive practice and I sat on a bucket and she sat on the turf of the, of the batting cage and just opened up and was just really stressed about, didn't want to play anymore. I don't know if I want to play in college. I don't want to play anymore. I, I just, and she had expressed those identity issues that she just was always viewed as a softball pitcher and nothing else. And you know, sometimes, especially as pitchers, I mean, all softball players do, they all work hard. I don't mean to, to say that they don't, but pitchers have that extra level of responsibility to pitch all the time. And there's a lot riding on them. And she had gone through two state semifinals that she had lost. And she, I think she put a lot of pressure on herself and there's a lot of pressure on her to get a scholarship and to choose a college and which one and where and what level do I want to play at? And uh, she just, she didn't want to play anymore. <clears throat> she was literally on the verge of quitting. And I looked at her. And I said, I don't care if you never pick up the softball again, I will still love you just the same. Like, I'm always here for you. And you, you, uh, you guys know how much, like all of these girls know how much they mean to me. And I, I don't care if you play or not. That's, that's not what this is about, right? This is about you being okay and learning how to deal with, you know, the stresses of life. And hopefully in the long run, the, the softball helps you, right? With that. Um, so she did struggle. She struggled for the rest of the season and she tried her damnedest to get it together and for the team. And uh, we went to the state semifinals again, right? So this is her third trip in a row. And, and we didn't, again, we, we lost. And, you know, sometimes you win and sometimes you lose, but it wasn't the rain and it wasn't the youth or the inexperience of the, her freshman year. We just, we just didn't win. Um, so her, uh, between her junior and senior year, I think she she started to, to mature and, you know, figure things out and get the right kind of help that she needed. And, um, come her senior year, a uh, totally different kid, uh, a leader, unbelievable leader, uh, a kid on the mound that just would refuse to quit and made sure her teammates wouldn't quit and, um, pitched the game of her life, her very final game that we lost. We lost in a, a two to one game in 10 innings and she got out of so many situations. And I know I've told this story before, but when she was, the difference was um, the first three years, we had this routine where before she would go out to pitch during playoffs, she would always need to take a breath. So we'd always do like a high five. And then she, we would just sit there and look at each other. And, 
and just do this really slow, deep breath. And I would always say, you got this. And then she'd go onto the mound. So she, that was her routine. She kind of needed that to calm her down and her senior, she didn't need that anymore. And I, I loved it. I thought that was awesome. We'd do the high five, but we wouldn't do the, we wouldn't do the uh, breathing anymore. And then, so she gets out to the mound and it's, you know, in the middle of a, uh, I don't know, two outs, bases loaded. I don't remember the situation exactly, but it was a tense situation. And I stood up off my bucket and I took one step towards the mound and she just subtly puts her hand up and says, no, I got this. I said, all right, let's go. And she got out of it. She got out of the inning, you know, and, and now, um, you know, she had chosen her college by that time. She had made the decision that she was going to play. She made the decision that she was going to go further from home um, for her. And that was another part of the story I think that is important is that we had talked at practice one day uh, during her senior year that, that she had made that decision for her. It was what was best for her that she needed to put some distance between her and her hometown for lots of reasons. And I totally supported it. And I thought that was awesome. And I said, I'm really proud of you for making the decision for you. And, and she went off and that particular school wasn't for her. And uh, that was another conversation that happens after her freshman year, right? Where, hey, it's okay. And I think that's the thing that's really important that kids understand, <clears throat> excuse me, is that the college decisions are not permanent. If you go and you find that the culture isn't for you and the school isn't for you, it's okay. And I think sometimes we think that this decision to go to college is permanent. Once I make a decision, I can never change it. And um, there's a difference between going and not getting your way and not playing and then transferring versus this just isn't for me. And I think that that's really important that I put in the kids' heads is that when you go make these decisions, make sure that the whole environment is for you, the school, the location, the team, the coach, everything. And um, it just wasn't for her. And she transfers back home. And, you know, she told me her freshman year um, that she wanted to go into sports psychology because she was so inspired by the things that she learned from, from Madawan and in our talks and the things and, and how, how incredibly powerful it was for her to help her get to where she is today. And I think that, that that to me just, oh, it just melts my heart because she she wants to go and continue to help others. Um, and she is not unique, you know what I mean? She's not the only kid that I've ever had that's ever struggled. It was It's just one of the most recent ones in my mind and one of the biggest like success stories in my mind as well of turning it around. You go through a lot of crap. These kids go through a lot of crap and you gotta love them no matter what. And I never judge them. And I, I tell them, I'm not your mom. I'm not here to judge you. I've heard it all. Like I, I've probably heard more about the things that have happened than you probably realize. And I'll never judge you for it. And I think that um, just being there for them and understanding um, is really the best thing you can do for these kids. And um, it really helped her pull her out of a place. I, I, granted, I am not the only one, please. I'm not trying to say that. Like she had a lot of great support from her teammates and her family. And of course that was all important, but just to let her know that it was okay. And that I did not see her as just a softball player. Um, it, it's just one of my, she's, like I said, we still are close to this day. We still talk. Uh, she's close to my daughter. She's babysat her several times. And I think that that's what's so special to me. So good. Oh, I love this story. And I want to point out that you're like, it wasn't just me. True. Um, and I do want to say that because it really isn't about us being the motivator for them. Um, we, we're there for little shots of inspiration. <laughs> we're there to help shift their perspective. Yes, there's going to be a times where we do motivate them more directly. However, that's short-term stuff that gets them back to the long-term stuff that works, which is 
why, in my opinion, she was able to go far away, go to a college that didn't fit because she knew what she needed and what she wanted. And it was okay to leave because she knew it was going to be better for her. So to me, that all falls back to really discovering the real drive. Like what really motivates me to not just be a better softball player or be great at pitching, but to be a better person. And I think that's what she discovered in her senior year. And I remember talking about all these stories. I'm like, oh, she's getting it. Like you could just tell she was on the verge and oh, so exciting to be like a third hand watching it. <laughs> so what was as a coach then, what were some of the things that you pulled you to talking about in the beginning, especially when she was really struggling sharing your own experiences with her? I want to now flip it to you. What were the top three things from your experience getting through motivation? We've talked about your, that game before. Uh, yep. I have my own story as well. I'll share in a minute. Um, but what were some of the things from your experience with motivation that helped you be there for her, not just fix it for her? I think it's the, the idea of this longevity or this journey, right? Because, you know, I, at that time I've been coaching for, I don't know, 20 years. Right. So I remember we've talked about the game, you know, where, where we lose and um, you're up and then you're down and the season is over and you have no idea what to do or what to fix. And um, you're out of answer. You don't have any answers. You don't know how to fix it. And you're like, this sucks. Like I, I'm not a good coach. I have no idea what I'm doing. I can't, I can't take this team to the next level. What am I missing? What it's me. It's me. It's me. So I shared that story with her, how, you know, I went through my lows. I, I wanted to quit on more than one occasion. Um, there was a, several years where we had parent issues that were just beyond crazy. Um, you know, every coach, not every, but I'm sure a lot of coaches have faced that, right? Where it, you begin to wonder, is it worth it? Is, is everything that you're going through, the sacrifices, the parent issues, the time away from family, is it really worth this? Because I'm not getting anything out of it, right? And, and on top of that, I'm losing, I suck, I don't know what I'm doing, I'm getting beat by the same coach every year, what do you do? And I think that that's really what experience that, that is important to share, is that you've got to have patience, you've got to have time, and it's just a snapshot in time, right? And if you really don't take the time to step back to just like, okay, really reflect, and be able to get through that, then, you know, I found I, that is after when I discovered the whole sports psychology thing, right? So I, I'm hoping that when a coach picks up a book, listens to a podcast, has a conversation with somebody else, like you can just forget about it because we're all in this together. And at the end of the day, we've all shared the same experience and the similar experience. And I think that being able to share with her how, um, there were times when I feared failure, but I also feared success because if I, if I, if I am successful, then what, how the heck do I, then I'm oh crap. Now I got to replicate that. What if I don't replicate that? Am I a successful coach? And you start putting your, you start putting your worth into the wins. Right. And that's just so silly. Um, the, the coach that I was when I first started would have, wouldn't have understood that. Right. Because it's the experience and the maturity and God, if I knew what I knew, you know, then what I knew now, or no, now I think it, it'd be different, but that's the whole point we don't, right? <clears throat> so I think it was really just trying to share the experience of patience and, and love. And, you know, I, I also had at that time, I was very thankful to have one of my best friends as, as a coach with me and we had each other. 
Um, and we were able to really just lean on each other when we had those moments. Uh, and after she retired from coaching and left me on my own, as I always joke with her, um, you know, I had very, a lot of moments of insecurity and I don't have, I don't have her here with me to discuss these issues and how do I work through this? And oh my God, so I call her a lot. And one time uh, during the very first season after she had left, she had come to a home game and uh, sat in the dugout and I'm crying and I'm like, I'm, I have no idea what I'm doing. And she's like, will you stop? You know what you're doing. Look, look at this team. Will you just get back to what you love and just teach them like you're fine. Like I needed that boost of confidence sometimes and that's okay. And I think sometimes when you just have someone around you that can, you can bounce ideas off or give that boost of just, you're fine breathe and just get back to what you know and love, everything will be okay. So now allow me to jump in here with my story. Alicia had to go to the J-O-B. So I'm going to hop in now with my story uh, about motivation and when I lost it. Uh, so just to give you guys another story of, yeah, sometimes we aren't feeling it. Sometimes we doubt ourselves. Sometimes we lose that spark for a minute. But I know if you're here, you're the type of person who doesn't give up, doesn't take no for an answer, even when it's your own mind telling you no, stop it. So um, my story, actually, I came to this epiphany more recently than I would like to admit. Uh, so if you guys have listened to p- past episodes, you know that I was a head coach at a D3 school for three years. Uh, and then when my husband got offered his old job back at an amazing salary at, with people he liked to work with, with clients he already knew, we jumped at the chance and moved back to Florida. So we were in Michigan, moved back to Florida, and um, I left the job. We had a kid on the way, uh, so I knew that that stability would be awesome. And that's how I justified it. And do not get me wrong. I would make that choice again because our kids have a great, we're having a good time here. But if I'm honest, the real reason I was so quick to jump at the opportunity uh, was because we were mid-season, not doing as well as I wanted to. Again, we'd started strong and we were in that mid-season lull and I knew it was because I could do better. So I'm beating myself up, knowing that, God, like, I should be able to do this. I should be able to teach them confidence. I should be able to get them to believe in themselves. Why can't I figure this out for them? My girls are passionate. They want this. They're here. They're all in. They put in so much for the game. What am I not figuring out? So what I've come to learn over the past few years, jumping into this side of things and really being able to gain a ton of perspective, hear from other coaches. We talk about this a lot, but, and Alicia mentioned it too, like that validation of like, oh yes, I am okay. (laughs) I am pretty good at this. I do know what I'm talking about. And to hear other coaches that you trust and respect say the same things you've been thinking over and over really made me realize that's what I needed. I needed to realize what my real motivation was. It wasn't about the win, so I shouldn't have worried about that. And of course, that leads to more losses. You know how it goes. Once you start pressing and putting pressure on yourself, you're just going to get worse. Things aren't going to get better when you're in that frame of mind. So what I realized with my motivation and what really drives me is I love teaching the process. I like having a purpose for everything. I like seeing small wins and progress, even if it's tiny, even if it's just not as bad as the last time. 
I lost sight of that in the middle and I don't want anyone to lose sight for as long as I did to make you leave the game like I did, sort of. I've always said I'm on sabbatical and I'm going back. (laughs) But if this message can reach any coach or from a coach to a player, I want you all to know that motivation does go up and down, but you don't have to lose that inner drive once you know what really drives you. Do you see what I mean now? We've all gone through those times when we think about or even follow through with quitting. But if we were more in touch with our true why, it wouldn't take so long to bounce back. So to learn more about the formula for helping your players and yourself live your why, head to mentalsweetspot.com slash lovethegame for more on our new mini course. And as always, if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, please feel free to reach out to support at mentalsweetspot.com or shoot us a message on social media. We love talking to our sweet spotters, learning about what you're up to, what you need, and how it can be of service. And in the meantime, thank you again for listening and have a good one.